On today's episode of Double Down Trent, another one bites the dust. That's right, Dan Quinn is finally fired, making the count to two so far as he joins our old friend Bill O'Brien on the unemployed list. Somehow, if you bet Adam Gase to be the first coach fired, you are wondering what the hell happened and how does he still have a job. Plus, we look back at week five and the week that was. Russell Wilson had himself an MVP-type win in a comeback against the Vikings. And we analyzed the Kansas City Chiefs who got walloped, walloped by the Raiders. So we'll see what's going on, if that's a fluke or if that's something to be more concerned about. We've got the model. We've got Mr. Insider Coulter joining us as well. Plenty of good games to look at this week, including the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys as a matchup you might want to look at. So everybody stay tuned. A lot to cover here, including a new segment that you don't want to miss. Stay tuned for episode 82 of Double Down Trend. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent All right, welcome to Double Down Shrent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Joining me tonight, as always, the model, a.k.a. Aaron. How you doing tonight, bud? Uh, I'm doing great. Week five was just a phenomenal run of picks, I think, for all of us. Excited to do a little recap and get into that. Even more excited to pick both of your guys' brains and see what you have on tap for me in this upcoming week six. I need I need more I need more winners. That's what more, I'm here for. More winners. That's what we're putting out. And we love I was gonna it. say this is what the point of the exercise is more winners, right? Exactly. This is what we're trying to do. Give the listeners some winners. And that of course is the voice of our very own insider Coulter. How are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm ready to talk week six, uh, you know, put week five behind us. You know, there's there's uh, it's a lot going on in the league, and I'm excited to talk about it. There was a lot. Now, I guess we got to start. We love doing the bad coaches segment. We got to revisit our list now because a couple of now are gone. Dan Quinn, finally. I mean, we've been calling for it again, just like we've been calling for Bill O'Brien to be gone. What's your reaction here, Coulter? You know, I can't believe Adam Gase survived another coach. I mean, if you told me he wasn't going to be first and not second, I mean, the odds of that had to have been at least 10 to 1, uh, probably if not higher. Crazy. Um, I think it was time for Dan Quinn. I think they didn't uh, fire him in the middle of last season because the owner doesn't like to fire in the middle of the season. And then they, they kind of rebounded, so he kept him. But I think quickly he realized that this is a coach that uh, doesn't, you know, have any sort of pull in the locker room. Uh, anymore. And you know what, quite frankly, Dimitrov built a great team. They went to the Super Bowl. I loved some of the moves that they made to make up that 2016 Falcons team. Right, that was the, or no, it was 2018. Or was it 2017? Oof, you're pulling on some strength. Uh, I forget. 17. 17 is what I want to say. Let's go in the middle. 17 Falcons. <laughs> but Dimitrov had some gusto there in the middle, but he also was fired with Quinn. And I think it was because he just made too many wrong moves in free agency. He made too many wrong moves in the draft. 
they just did not build a defense. And then Quinn, you know, that team has had a really crappy defense for the last three or four years now. He's supposed to be a defensive specialist. So, I mean, just like uh, Bill O'Brien with the offense there, he's not doing well. I mean, Gase isn't doing well with the Jets offense. It's kind of hard to hide these coaches who have certain backgrounds. I mean, when you're like a Harbaugh type, it's a little easier when you're a special teams guy. You can kind of almost hide your flaws. But when you're Dan Quinn, the warts uh, kind of grow over time and get more and more uh, – more and more worse over time yeah and just blowing massive double digit leads you just can't have that from a defensive coordinator now mr model i don't want to put you on the spot here or give away a pick a little too early but last week we saw the titans or excuse me the texans rebound after firing bill o'brien to get a win and a cover yeah what are you expecting from the falcons is this going to be a good spot against the vikings I feel like I've been on this Falcons team for four out of the first five weeks and I've gotten burned way too many times. I'm actually expecting the opposite. I'm expecting them to fold even more. I'm actually liking the Minnesota Vikings in that matchup if we get the minus three and a half, which I think is what what we have it locked in on the pool. I don't know. It's going to be tough for me to go back to the water when I've uh, just gotten just burned by them one too many times. It's tough, and and uh, I'll be honest. I'm sitting on the Vikings right now. We're recording on a Wednesday night, so you know we we're typically known as flip floppers. But you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I want to point out too, Coulter, because this is obviously the second head coach that's been fired, but it also marks the second general manager that's been fired. So Bill O'Brien served as the GM. Thomas Dimitrioff goes out. We're seeing the pattern of head coach and GMs being fired. I got a two pronged approach here. Was this the right move by the Falcons to get rid of Dimitrioff? And two, you know where I'm going with this. Why the hell are the Giants hanging on to Dave Gettleman? It's about time the Giants make a move, too. I, I, I love this new trend, by the way, because, you know, it kind of usurps our little bad coaching thing. Now we've got to start doing the bad GM thing. <laughs> That's got to be our new shtick. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. Gettleman is... It's confounding how he still has his position at 0-5. If they lose to football team this week, uh, I think it's going to be sayonara for him. And so this trend, we might go three for three with GMs getting the uh, axe. Yeah, I, I just can't see it. You know, the Giants lose to the Cowboys and on paper and based on what we saw in the game, the Cowboys are the better team. I just don't understand it. And for me, I always wanted a continuity. So when you bring in a new head coach, to me, it makes sense to get rid of the head coach and the GM start fresh, get guys that are on the same page because when you don't clear out the entire either front office or the coaching staff, you're stuck with the guy and you're basically now limiting yourself to the candidates that like the existing head coach or like the existing GM. And it just hamstrings you. And you know, the giants, if they really want to give Joe judge a fair shot here, you got to get him a GM. That's, that's not someone that he's just stuck with like this ancient Dave Gettleman. Couldn't agree more. I, I think they have to make a move quickly before it it uh, it gets so bad for Judge that they're considering firing him after one year, similar to how Arizona fired Wilkes a couple years years ago. Um, one and done. I don't think the Giants are that type of organization, but if it goes like to the one in fifteen extreme, uh, you know, it could happen. So it's you're not helping your first year head coach, especially in a pandemic, by keeping around this lame duck GM who he's not really necessarily working hand in hand with Um, just fire him, promote somebody from within, you know, deal with the rest of the season as it is. And then, you know, find the real guy in the off season. You know, I think that's the best uh, course for the giants make the executive move 
in season? I mean, clearly Atlanta and uh, Houston are willing to do so. I mean, what are what, what are you better than them? And you think you're better than Atlanta and Houston? Like, here's a news flash: they're not. Yeah, I'll go on record. You're not. We're not <laughs> better than them. Okay, quote me. Do whatever you need to do. We're not better than them. So I don't know what the hell they're waiting on. Um, and, and the Jets. Now let's go to the Jets because still somehow Adam Gase is there. Mr. Model, I would, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time, and I apologize for doing this, okay? The Giants and the Jets are combined 0-10. Yeah. How many times in the history of the NFL have the Giants and the Jets been a combined 0-10? Ooh. I, I'm going to be an optimist and say never. That is correct. We are <laughs> history here ladies and gentlemen i mean the putridity i don't even know if that's a word but just the awfulness coming out of new york is embarrassing well i mean i want to turn the tables on you for a quick second so i want to put you on the spot giants and the jets who's getting the first win and when i'll tell you what if the giants can't beat the football team this year (laughs) or this week it's gotta be the jets (laughs) because up a respectable fight against the Cowboys, but yeah. then to to still lose after that devastating Dak Prescott injury, the Red Rifle comes in, Andy Dalton, and just shreds us apart. And the Cowboys defense, we've seen how bad they are. I mean, they're atrocious. Granted, we put up points this week, but still lose. So if we can't beat two, if you, if you couldn't put if you couldn't put up points against Dallas, they should have considered firing Garrett and leaving him in in uh, Jerry World. Yeah, I mean, he's probably better off there anyway. Washington's got a good defense. We know it. They've made a switch at quarterback, so who knows? But I'll say it right now. If the Giants lose to Washington, my money's on the Jets for getting the first win, and the Giants end up with the first pick in the draft because that's just how putrid it's looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, now that we're on the quarterback subject, too, I mean, obviously we talked about Dalton coming in for, for Dak and, and that's a terrible situation, but looking at the giants and the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins football team, the football team, excuse me. You're right. It's just muscle memory. <laughs> we got Dwayne Haskins on the bench. They're now looking to shop him. Coulter, we were kind of talking about it before we went on, on air here. Do you think it was a situation where teams were aware of his lack of maybe football knowledge, or is this something that, you know, no one knew about, and all of a sudden he goes to Washington and just can't read a playbook. No, I think this is something where a lot of people in the league knew, and that's why he fell. And I think these coaches talk. What do you think? People in Ohio State and the Big Ten don't speak to professional scouts. I mean, come on. How many teams are in the Midwest? You have the yeah. Bengals. You have the Colts. You have the Browns. You don't think and Vikings, uh, Packers, Bears, Lions. You don't think any of those teams have an in in the Big Ten or an Ohio State program, a level of program of that magnitude, don't have an insight on a quarterback that's playing an Ohio State high-level program like that? No. They knew. They stayed away. Dan Snyder forced the pick. Gruden didn't want it. Gruden got out. Uh, it's as simple as that. I mean, it's actually kind of a self-explanatory story. I don't even think you could do like six episodes of TV with it. But it's it's a terrible pick nonetheless. Um <laughs> Because clearly you have somebody uh, who you wasted a high draft pick in who is now behind, right? Just like at any job, uh, it would be like if you hired somebody and gave them, you know, the second amount of money on the company payroll. And then two years later, you found out they were kind of just floating and not doing their job, really. Boom. That's Haskins. He's, you know, he's bleeding your company dry. He's bleeding that football team dry. 
Uh, and that's why Rivera made the move for football team last week. Yeah. And it's starting a trend. We saw it last year with uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. They moved on from Josh Rosen. We're seeing now the red, the Washington, excuse me, did it again, moving on from Haskins. And we're getting reports that if the Jets have the number one pick, they might be moving on from Sam Darnold. So I'll throw us out to both of you and Colter, you can take it first. Do you, do you think this is a smart move to just recognize your losses and move on? Or is it just a, a thing that's going to set your team back years because you've invested multiple first round picks now in a quarterback? I think yes and no. I think the Rosen thing is he went into a horrible situation um, in Arizona where he got beat up a lot. And I don't think he was given time, but you could counter with that and say Burrow's getting beaten in, in Cincy right now. And he clearly has the it thing. So, I mean, that's where I think I would land on this side of the argument is that you can kind of tell right within a year, Herbert, same thing. He came in right away. First game. He was told five minutes before his first start, boom, in competing with the Super Bowl champions, you know, right? I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, Rosen had a bad team, but clearly he didn't have it. Uh, and so I, I clearly, I think, you know, Haskins doesn't have it. And I think the bears got a little bit, you know, sidetracked as they made the postseason with Mitch, but he clearly doesn't have like that it factor. And, you know, the other counter to that counter, would be look at someone like Ryan Tannehill, first round pick, kind of, you know, injury prone, had a couple of good years, bad years in Miami. And then now he's found second life in Tennessee. But if you invest a top 10 pick on a Josh Rosen, how many years are you supposed to really wait until he turns into Ryan Tannehill? That is, uh, that is not the norm. You know, that's, that's actually not what you can expect that, that he's kind of going against the norm Tannehill's trajectory. Usually guys peter out, right. They're just busts. They don't really come back from that. Like not that he was ever, ever labeled a bust, but usually you get what I'm saying is you only tread in one direction. So, yep. Um, I think you just know, uh, and Burrow is a great example of that. You can tell right away that that guy just, he can compete. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Mr. Model? And I think it's interesting that these NFL teams are almost coming up with a new blueprint of how to do these GM moves. You know, I think it's almost like pre quarterback and post quarterback world. So pre quarterback, you're, you're maybe just trying to, draft for talent and try to get the best players in the best roles you can, but knowing that it's going to be fully dependent on having a, you know, average, if not better than average quarterback, who's actually going to be there for long term, So you can actually start having your window of championships. I actually think the seeing the Cardinals kind of reset after they had drafted Rosen and then decided that he was not going to be the one was a, something that I hadn't totally seen before. And I actually really like that strategy of that. They got, some time with him. They got to see a ton of reps. They knew it wasn't a fit. And then they went back to the well for another. They reset, they reset the whole thing with that move. That was a revolutionary. I love that. Yeah. So I think that to me is going to be something interesting to see if these, some of these other NFL teams follow suit and I could totally see, you know, the jets doing that in the coming years. And I don't think it's just going to be the jets. You look at the Justin Fields is going to be sitting there too. And you know, obviously people are tanking for Trevor Lawrence, but fields makes a team reconsider it as well. Cause I know, I'm a Giants fan. How do you say no to a guy like Justin Fields over Daniel Jones? Even Broncos. I mean, this is a great A, and I think this is why Arizona ended up going with Kyler Murray, honestly, and why the Jets are going to end up going with someone like Lawrence or uh, you just said Fields. Because think about it. Offensive line play is going down. Every single year it gets worse and worse and worse. There's just not enough competent left tackles to handle the NFL pass rushers. 
uh, in football. And Rosen was a victim of that. And look at Murray. He can get outside the pocket, keep plays alive with his legs, run, keep defenses honest. He can disarm the most potent defense in football, like San Francisco, like he did week one with his legs. So that you, you can't under, uh, emphasize that enough. And same with Darnold. He's sitting back there with a terrible offensive line in New York. He was terrible last year because of it. And they're awful again this year for the exact same reason. He is, and he, I know, ran for a TD against the Broncos, but he's kind of sitting back there. Locke is the same way in Denver. Bowles is a terrible left tackle. He's sitting back there. He's already been hurt once this year. How many times is he going to get hurt because he doesn't have protection? Guys like Fields can take off, and maybe that's the new way uh, you know teams are looking at the quarterback position. Yeah, and I know you invest a lot of capital to a first-round pick, but ultimately, salary cap-wise, you're on a rookie contract. So I guess teams are thinking they can – survive by doing this you lose the draft pick in theory but it's not crushing your cap like a, a whiffed free agent draft or a signing so or in the old drafts too when you had to lay the money on the yeah like sam bradford yeah that's a whole different story uh now <laughs> mr model i got one for you what we saw last week russell wilson had what i would consider so far his signature win come from behind late in the game get the win now they didn't cover and i'll get to that later uh, but he clearly has that now in his book as an MVP type win. Now in my book, and granted, I'm not the handicapper. You're the model guy. I got it down to a two horse race right now between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Who would you put as the leader in the clubhouse after five weeks for NFL MVP? It's gotta be Russell Wilson to me. He's okay. just playing at a interstellar level. And while Aaron Rodgers has absolutely carried that Green Bay offense, Russell Wilson has just played out of this world, and I am all in on him as MVP this year. I like it. Coulter, what do you think? Yeah, it's tough. I like Wilson uh, slightly just because, you know, this guy can go down the field so quick. Not the Rodgers camp, but I mean, he, you just don't even ever doubt it anymore with him. And I also think Seattle, if you take him off, is a lot worse than – Green Bay is without Rodgers, which sounds really weird to say, but uh, I think Green Bay has a running game uh, and a defense that's a little bit better than Seattle's. Yeah, I think you're both right. I'm on the Russell train as well. He He's a one-man machine right now. He's got DK Metcalf and Chris Carson, but I think you, you, you said it right. If you take off Russell from Seattle, I think they are worse than Green Bay if you took off Rodgers. So I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to say that, that Russ has got the slight edge here. Uh, one other big topic we saw this week in, uh, in, in week five, the chiefs, they went down and they went down hard. Are you chalking this up to just a, you know, regular loss or is this something to be concerned about? I actually saw power ratings that had the chiefs outside the top 10, believe it or not, or outside yeah. the top five, I should say. Yeah, it was the top five. They were, they were ranked sixth. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I, I think it's a fluke loss division team, a uh, short week of prep. I think Carr is in a contract year. I think Gruden uh, knows how to uh, scheme against Reed. It's not like he's unfamiliar against scheme. They've been coaching against each other for three or four decades now. It's not like these guys are, are, are new to each other, you know? Um, so there's a familiarity factor between not only the coaches, but also the teams. I also think if you think about it, when Ruggs is healthy, and if you think he's really good, which Vegas clearly does. And, and I know your mileage may vary on him, but let's just say he's a really good receiver, like uh, the likes of, I don't know, uh, Ty Hill. Let's compare him to Ty Hill. They have Jacobs, they have Waller, they have Ty Hill, or I mean, they have 
Ruggs, who's their tight hill. They have talent at every level on their offense. And, you know, all it takes is a really good game from Carr uh, for them to be effective on offense, which they were against Kansas City. Yeah, you said it. they've got a lot of talent on that field. I'm not completely sold on Carr just yet. I know Me neither, yeah. Yeah, he, he's been good. He's been up and down, but I just don't think he is – the franchise changing kind of quarterback, but we'll see. But I think, I think in a contract year, if he can go toe to toe in a, you know, pissing contest with Mahomes, I think that ups his value. So I think it is important to remember in these kind of games uh, to definitely weigh that factor in, you know, he's going to be playing up against competition. Yeah. Top great competition. Point. Great point. Now, Mr. Model, when we get to our picks, I'm going to come back to this, put this, put a little feather in your cap here for this one. Okay. Roger that. <laughs> Uh, now, the last little ditty, I think we actually created ourselves a nice little segment here that we, uh, we've already had a crossfire segment. We're going to call this a crossfire pick. Okay, so I'll give you the backstory. We're texting before the Monday night game, and Coulter, you shoot over, you know, hey, the spread is, or the over-under is 49 and a half. What are we thinking? And it had already been, what, a couple of possessions, 0-0? Zero zero. They each they exchanged punts in the first possessions each. Yep. And I said, you know what? This game is still going over. And we did a little crossfire bet. Well, we're gonna call it our trading places segment. So if anyone hasn't seen the movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, great movie. Mr. Model, hand up. I don't think I've seen it. Whoa. You gotta (laughs) watch it this weekend. Don't watch it with the kids though. Put them to bed. It is not a kid's movie. Uh, no, it's, but it's so good, though. These two old rich guys uh, make this high-stakes bet, or at least what appears to be a high-stakes bet, and they go, yeah, should we make it our usual stakes? And they agree. And we don't know what the stakes are until the end of the movie. It turns out these millionaire, billionaire guys do a $1 bet uh, you know, to, to change the fortune of two people's lives. Yada, yada, yada. Coulter and I say, let's do a little crossfire bet. Are we talking about a wager, Randolph? How much you want to bet? The usual amount. Why not? And we've established it our friendly $10 bet here. Uh, so, Coulter, you want to set the stage? Because after the first couple of possessions, that 49 and a half did not look good. You know, what I was going for in that game was without Thomas, Breeze would be kind of uh, not as great as, like, you know, how he's looked. And I also thought the Saints D on Monday night has to step it up eventually. This is a good spot for them. Uh, I was just wrong on both of those points. And Breeze was electric. He picked up steam as the game went. He got better and better. And the Saints D was just a catastrophe pretty much from the start of the game. I mean, Herbert went right down the field right after we we hit go on that. Uh, yep. <laughs> the, 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 once the usual was in, it was like Herbert, it's like he heard that we, we had that in. So then he started throwing at Keenan Allen and then Allen got hurt and it didn't stop him. He just went to Williams and it was just terrible crazy shootout game and i was banking on kind of what happened that the the chargers would jump out to a lead and then breeze and the saints would come roaring back throwing the ball a ton uh i will say i was shocked that the chargers not only were were in control of that game but had a chance to win it with a field goal and if i can just hate on kickers for just a hot second here the chargers kicker misses an extra point fine that happens and then he's lined up for a game-winning field goal. And before I can say what happens, I mean, people probably know, the announcers go ahead and let us know that the kicker refers to himself as the, quote, money badger, okay? <laughs> a little, little playoff honey badger. 
and he even trademarked the name. Now, you cannot do that if you fuck up two kicks that cost your team the win. It was bad. I love it. It was really bad. Yeah, that was bad. The fucking money badger. Money badger. Oh, God. So that ties a bow on a week five. Now, we were hot on the picks, okay? We threw out six games like we always do. We went five and one. The lone loss right here, hand up. I picked the Seahawks minus seven and a half. You know, they got the win. They didn't cover, but we're hot. So, listeners, that in mind here as we are about to segue to the next part of our show here. So, Mr. Model, why yeah. don't you recap the standings of the Man versus Model Challenge and let the listeners know where everyone stands. Yep. So, this is a competition we've been doing throughout the NFL season. We invite our listeners to come on to app.doubledowntrent.com, sign in and join us in making five NFL picks against the spread each week. We've been doing it since week one. We are through week five in first place. Are you ready? Let's hear it. We have M. Cazalet at 14 points. We have Hannibal at 14 points. And we have the man, Ryan also at 14 points. So kudos to you three. How does it feel to be leading the pack so early in the season? Unlike you. It is very unlike me. I'm I'm a little concerned that I might be using all of my break late energy a little too early, but you know what? Hey, we adapt, we evolve, you know, I've become a better picker my, uh, my elder years. So you guys might want to just, you know, ride, ride my trains, ride my coattails. I'm all in on that. Uh, Quick shout out to the two people. Second place right now, a close 13 points. We have R Smith 2070 and Luann, your mom, both in second place with 13 points. So very close behind. Everyone can still join and uh, do it for the rest of the year. It's been fun. We'll see how this all lands. Um, I'm expecting Coulter and I to uh, get back in the race here shortly. I got to pick it up. I feel like I'm all off in, in the uh, challenge. <laughs> well, Mr. Ma, why don't you uh, go ahead and let us know uh, the five games that we have got for week number six. Yep. I tried to pick the best ones. Um, we have two that are happening on Monday night. So the Buffalo Bills are against Kansas City. That was initially, uh, I think it was initially a Thursday night game and got rescheduled because Buffalo playing late to Monday. Um, the other Monday night game, we have uh, Dallas Cowboys in Arizona. So just to give you the lines real fast, Arizona is favored in our pick, even though they're at Dallas by two and a half. That'll be an interesting game, especially with Dak out. And the Kansas City Buffalo, Kansas City is favored by three and a half as they travel up to the upstate New York. All right. The other three games that we have are actually some good ones. Tampa Bay is home against the Green Bay Packers. This is going to be a super close game. We've seen this line shift a decent bit where it locked in in our pool is Green Bay favored by one and a half. Uh, so a uh, away team slightly favored. I know, uh, I, I know Coulter, I know I Coulter. I already know what you're going to say. A home gonna, underdog, a home you, underdog. You finish, you finish off. I'll hop in, <laughs> I'll, I'll hop in later. Uh, next game we have, I, I also think is a good one. The Pittsburgh Steelers are home against the Cleveland Browns. Pittsburgh is favored in this one right now by three and a half points. And then the last one we have, uh, Philadelphia Eagles are home against the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens currently favored by seven and a half. Those are the five games we have this week. Some pretty good games. 
some really good games. And, and Coulter, I, I got to turn it over to you here because there's been some good line movement. And Mr. Model, he kind of let us in last week that he looks at this uh, when making his pick. So uh, let us know. You, you've done some good research here. What do you got? I see I see the biggest line moves of the week, honestly, uh, or the year so far this week. I mean, we have one in our pool. Uh, we, let's just hop on to the Bucks one first. The Bucks went from a field goal favorite to now they're a point and a half underdog at home. Um, they're getting healthier. They're coming off 10 days rest. They're adding a, you know one of their star receivers, hopefully, in Godwin. And maybe the number reflects that he might not play. So let's just say he does. That's terrific value for Tampa. And Green Bay has played a lot of bad defenses this year. I think we got to remember that. They played Atlanta. They played Detroit. They played the Saints defense, which, hello, is not good. Vikings, they eviscerated. I like this. Bucks have a good defense. Todd Bowles is a great defensive coach. That game on Thursday night is going to warp our percent. The Bucks are like a ping pong ball. We've gone one way with the Chargers game. Now we're going back the other way with the Bears game. Let's just try to keep up here and remember that there is a zigzag theory to the NFL season. Some teams bounce around. The Bucks are one of them. I love the them getting the point and a half at, uh, as a as a dog at home. I think they have just as much rest as Green Bay, and I, I like their defense. I like the spot. I like the line. Give me the Bucks. Okay, and there's been a few other ones too, right? <laughs> You're like that wasn't your pick, man. <laughs> no, that's that's okay. Well, my thing with the Bucks is I think you you got it really perfectly is that they've been back and forth. I honestly can't get a read on them. I, I picked them last right. week against the Bears. Uh, I pick them against the Saints, and then every time I, I pick against them, they win and cover. So, like, I just can't get a read on them. Sorry, I did a whole handicap there without realizing that there were three other games I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Browns have moved down two and a half points to a field goal, which is a key number. Uh, luckily, we're getting the hook in the pool, but that's just something worth noting that the Browns are getting a little uh, overinflated off their win against the Colts, who were missing Leonard. They were also missing their left tackle halfway through the game. I know I was ragging on the Colts last week and I was on the Browns, but we got to give the Colts a little bit of benefit of the doubt. They were on the road. They had a lot of key injuries. I think the Browns now are getting a little over inflated. Um, and then you got the Rams. This is the biggest mover of the week. They were plus three. Now they're uh, minus three and a half in our pool. Uh, I don't know if I like the Niners cause I really just don't know what the heck's going on with Jimmy G. He's actually, we talked quarterbacks at the top there. We didn't talk about Jimmy G. Um, but I don't know what to do with that one. And then the last one is Titans in our pool are favored by six and a half, but the line is three in some places. So there's a lot of, uh, huge disparity. Yeah. Disparity in the line there. I have no read on this, but my slight lean is towards Houston. Cause I would take Watson if it was a touchdown and that's where it's closest to. So slightest, slightest, slightest of lean on Romeo and, uh, the Houston Texans in that one. That line, I don't understand because the Titans just came out and demolished the Bills. I, I can understand the Niners line moving because Jimmy G, like you said, is not looking good. Um, I do want to say, though, I, uh, I think it was Dan Orlovsky was saying on ESPN that when quarterbacks have high ankle sprains, they tend to airmail and overthrow receivers. And he said the reason being is they don't step into it, so they try and overcompensate with their, just their arm velocity and they overthrow. You know, he's been hurt, so maybe that's what's going on with Jimmy G. But to me, that Titans line, that doesn't make any sense to me. I know the Texans got their first win. They looked good. But who at any sports book is looking at the Titans and saying, these guys aren't good. They need to, That line needs to be adjusted because they just stuck it to the Bills. It, there's dead numbers out there. There's field goals for people like uh, Tennessee. I would just – my caution pick would be 
you know, I would like Tennessee with the field goal. I think that's a really light number. I would actually fire away on that. However, they are coming off a short rest, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we really don't know who the better quarterback is. Don't let the one game on Tuesday night fool you with Tannehill. It's Watson versus Tannehill. Kind of give it to Watson still, even though it's been a bad year for them. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like uh, it, Watson found Cooks and got that passing game going last week. And I hate to get fooled by the Texans again, but I don't know. I feel like that they'll keep it close. And they, the back door is actually what I'm most afraid of here with Watson. And just a deep ball to Fuller or Cooks late in that game to just screw you on that six and a half. Yeah. We'll see. So uh, let's just do it then. We threw out some line movements. Colton gave some good little uh, insights here. Let's jump right into week six. Uh, Mr. Model, you take it away, my friend. You went 2-0 last week. Who do you got for your first pick here? Huh. All right. You know, I'm just going to go with the meatball pick of you know what you got. I like it. Okay. You know what you got. I'm going to take Kansas City minus three and a half over Buffalo. I know what I got. I know in Kansas City, I have a high octane offense that has a really good quarterback who can make plays both with his arm and with his legs. In Buffalo, I know I have a pretty good defense that's had some injuries that I think you could see in that Tennessee game really impacted them so that if they get healthy, um, that will be important. I think on the offensive side of the ball, you see a quarterback that you can't totally trust with his arm yet. He makes some really shaky decisions, but his arm strength is just freaking out of this world. Guy that he is just a cannon. For for that reason, I'm just like, I'm not sold on the Buffalo offense being able to score points and keep up. So therefore, I'm going to go and just take my Kansas City Chiefs. This is a team that I go back to and I like him here in this spot. And that's going to be my first bet. Kansas City minus three and a half, baby. Now, Mr. Mono, I asked you to put a little feather. Remember what I was going to bring back. <laughs> and this is it, okay? I have a theory, okay? Is always take a good team coming off a bad loss. You're getting good value here with the Chiefs. Now, if you, I don't know what the look ahead line on this was, like even last week. I bet you it's close to six, six and a half for the Chiefs. And they're coming off a really bad loss. And I love this situation here. The other thing I would like to point out is I watched that Titans-Bills game, uh, the Tuesday night game, very closely. I had a lot of interest, not just gambling, but fantasy, okay? And you know what I saw? The Buffalo Bills lined up rickety old Josh Norman on A.J. Brown one-on-one the entire game. Yeah. And he just lit them apart. Scorched. Could it, could this, could this be a, and this is giving a lot of uh, faith to McDermott, but could this be a Belichickian chess move where he sat white last night to get him healthy for the most important game, which is against Kansas city. He he figured I'm going to roll the dice and see if we win a sloppy Tuesday night game against a team who hasn't practiced all week and 10, you know, against Tennessee. And he, that gamble didn't work out last night, but I mean, he's maybe he's saving his best guy for the chiefs. That's just me giving McDermott way too much credit there. But I, I would agree watching that game. I was perplexed by the fact that they just wanted to kind of almost roll over uh, by sitting white. And, and they sat a lot of their big players. They sat an offensive lineman. They sat their backup running back. They sat um, John Brown. So, I mean, I, I really looked at their injury. If you look at the seven guys that they did not have their inactives, I was like, whoa, what the heck is McDermott doing? Is he just pushing to Kansas City? So that would be my one apprehension. Otherwise, I'm 
fully in on Kansas City. That's like a must-fire bet. The number is so low. Yeah, that's something to consider. Uh, for me, though, the reason why I'm with you and I'm taking Kansas City as well is that uh, you know we couldn't see Buffalo stop A.J. Brown, who's a really good receiver. I'm not taking anything away from him, but the Chiefs have eight weapons, and I just don't see how the Bills are going to stop them. Three and a half to me is not a big enough number for me to even consider the Bills here, so I'm on the Chiefs here. Colter, are you in agreement or are you just playing a little little contrarian? I'm in full agreement. Double thumbs up, must fire bet. Uh, I was just playing a little devil's advocate. I was pointing out more against the Titans because that really stood out to me as well. That I was yeah. like, what is what is McDermott doing? I, I just got Belichick vibes from it, the whole thing. But it doesn't mean that I, from a line value standpoint, the Chiefs are being way undervalued. Um, I think they can blow the doors off of this thing. Um, you get them on an extra day of rest. You have to factor in when they played Kansas City last week that they were anti-rest. You know, they had that ridiculous situation with New England that definitely threw them off, I could tell. And, and they're being undervalued, as I said. One power ranking had them six. Give me a break. Are you joking? <laughs> it's still, yeah. still, the, still the Vegas favorite. They are not sixth in any power rankings. Get over yourself, hot take artist, whoever put that. Like, that's just absurd. Yeah, and this is a staple. I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. Good teams off of bad losses. I always love, so I got them circled as well. Uh, okay, Coulter, who you got for your first pick? So I did a little switcheroo, but I'm going to switch back because I want to give the listeners a pick because I had Chiefs as well, but I'm going to go back to my original first pick, and that's the Lions. Uh, I don't like the fact that we have a hook in our pool, but if you can get it at three, which is available at some places, I would recommend that. So what we have here is Matt Patricia versus Doug Marone, which should be illegal to bet on. <laughs> but, but I'm coming off of a 2-0 and week, and I'm on the pod, so I'm feeling pretty good here about myself. Uh, and I also feel good about taking Matt Stafford versus Gardner Minshew. Uh, there's more than just the coaching and QB gap, though. There's a motivational gap. The Lions are playing in one of the best divisions, if not the best division in football in the NFC North. And while it's clear that the Jags are heading towards a rebuild, a new coach, the whole the whole Shibata bank. Detroit is also rested, obviously, coming off the bye week, which is another advantage Jaguars are really banged up in the secondary. They have a lot of injuries to a team that was already pretty talentless. Uh, and what I like about this is clearly, as I started off with, the number was bet up to 3.5, uh, 3.5 earlier this week by the Sharks. The, the, the people that know about betting were in on this pretty quickly. Uh, and even that's, that's with the lines on the road, right? That's not something that you normally look at as a, as a gambler and be like, oh, I really want the lines on the road. No, you don't typically want that, but like, Clearly, we have a green light situation with the Lions here because I think the Jags are just so bad. I also think uh, the Jags just can't score points in this game. I think without DJ Chark, who got hurt last week, I think that offense is just really not that explosive. They've got the one rookie, Chenault. They've got Keelan Cole. But, I mean, I just think the Lions have played better teams. I think they match up really well against them. Too many injuries for Jacksonville. I would love it if it was a field goal. I'm still going to go back to it as uh, my first pick here on the pod. Uh, Lions three and a half. Mr. Model, what do you think? I like that a lot. I uh, I think the Lions have performed not as well as I would have expected out of these first couple of weeks. I'm expecting them to play better, uh, and this would be a, a perfect showcase for that. Um, I am all over that pick. I'd like Detroit in this spot for sure. Yeah, I, I'm with you as well. Uh, a couple of things, too, with, with the Lions. You know, we've seen them jump out to leads just to blow – big leads but that was to really good teams you know, you're talking about saints um i believe the packers right they, they, they've had some bad losses but to really good offenses and Coulter, you said i just don't see where the jags score points here 
Uh, I, I think they have benefited from a really fluky win against the Colts in week one. And then from there on out, we've seen that it's just really not a good team. Uh, and then to me too, division it, game, division game, week one, new quarterback. I mean, that whole situation Colts were so overvalued and overhyped. We've yeah. run over that game. So let's not yep. overvalue that game. Exactly. Um, and, and to me, it comes down to which coach is more desperate to keep their job. I, I think Marone's gone. Uh, you know, he, he's been there long enough. I think Patricia's got a chance to rally them. Like I said, they put up points. They do have pieces on defense. So I just don't think that number is even close enough to where you can consider taking the Jags here. So I'm with you here. I'm rolling with the Lions. Okay. For my first pick, I'm going back to the well. And I'm going to tease you guys because they burned me last week. I'm taking my guy, Joe Burrow. Covers <laughs> and let me, let me explain why. They went up against a Ravens team that is much more talented, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, the number they, they got blown out, but they really they gave up 27 points to the Ravens team, who we know likes to jump out to a lead and then pound you, pound you, pound you. And they actually held their own here. Their offense got really stymied. But the flip side of this is I think the Colts are overrated. We just saw the Browns take control of that game, score a lot of points on that defense that was supposed to be a really hyped defense. And the Browns did it without Nick Chubb. And I know they didn't really lose much by going to Kareem Hunt. Uh, I just think, though, seven and a half points for the Bengals. Not only are you getting the hook to cover the touchdown here, I'm not sold on Indy offensively and defensively. I think Phillip Rivers is shot. They really don't have any talent at the skill positions that scares you. So unlike the Ravens, I don't think the Colts are going to put up a ton of points against the Bengals. But it presents a good opportunity for Burrow to really throw the ball let Joe Mixon run, and uh, I'm riding. Cover Joe. Yeah, you've got agreement here with me. I think a uh, big learning for me, I was on the Bengals, but reemphasize the message again that the Ravens are a great bully when they're playing a team that's not great. And the Bengals are not that great. However, they're getting a lot of points here against uh, a Colts team. You you identified everything I wanted to say about Indianapolis, so you, you nailed this one. It, I just don't like that offense. I, I see a team that really can't score. I, I see a Bengals team that could, I think, win this game straight up, honestly. Outscore yeah. them. That's all you have to do. Get to 25. I don't think Rivers is getting to 25. What do you think, Mr. Mile? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I, so I'll admit, the Indianapolis game against the Cleveland last week was one of the few games that I've actually watched at length so far this year. I had some rooting interest as well as some gambling interest in that game, and it was just brutal to watch. Philip Rivers <laughs> is he's cooked, man. He is so old. That arm is shot. He can't throw across the field. I was on them and I was rooting for them and it just wasn't going to happen. I couldn't believe how well the uh, Cleveland Brown quarterback uh, played. Um, he had some picks toward the end. Thank you, Baker Mayfield. But um, he was playing really hot early. Baker kept the Colts in that game. Yeah, exactly right. Um I'll admit, so right now I am currently still sitting. I'm going back to the well. I'm sitting on Indianapolis at minus seven and a half. I think I'm trying to lick my wounds and see if they can come back and uh, give give me a win. Uh, So while I don't like that, uh, that's who I'm on right now. And that's likely where I will stay through the game on Sunday. Okay, and even if you flip flop, this triggered a crossfire. Okay, Put the sound (laughs) in, put the noise in. 
We've got a crossfire. The ultimate challenge. Crossfire. 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 You'll get all of it. The usual bet. (laughs) Fucking Colts again. Why am I on you? I love it. Uh, Okay. Let's go to our key picks. Take it away, Coulter. This is going to sound strange because I was on this podcast two or three weeks ago and I just absolutely bamboozled this team. But I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles plus seven and a half at home. And I'm going against Baltimore again, even though I just said I learned my lesson. But they are, <laughs> they're, they're a great bully. But let's go through this here for a second. Baltimore is overrated. Yes, they can bully the worst eight teams in the league, but Philly is not a bottom eight team. And if they are, I'm going to be willing to pay to find out if they are. Mainly, this is a bet against Lamar Jackson. The Ravens' offense is built on the run. Philly's defense is built on the run. They are going to stop Baltimore's bet. The best thing that Baltimore does, Philly and Jim Schwartz is going to cancel out. So it's all about Lamar Jackson and throwing. I just don't see Lamar Jackson beating a team with 300 yards of the air. I've seen it again and again, and I just watch every week, and I just don't see a quarterback who's capable of being dynamic downfield consistently. That's what you need to do to win and cover a spread on the road against a Philadelphia team that's good on against the run. That's way too many points. They're on the road, for Christ's sakes, and I know there's no fan, or there actually are going to allow a few fans in the Philly Stadium but like, I know the fans are in a huge deal, but that is so disrespectful to Philly. This is a team that has won its division, that's won a Super Bowl recently. The, the, the line here is basically treating Philadelphia as if they're the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm with you as well. I can't believe it. <laughs> the sole reason that I'm on it is uh, I, I paid close attention to the Eagles-Steelers game last week, and that was another game with a seven-and-a-half-point spread a team in the Steelers that we you know, think is a, a bully team that was going to jump out to a lead and play strong defense. We saw Philly move the ball and we saw Philly score. And if it wasn't for, you know, Chase Claypool, who just absolutely annihilated them through the air, they would have covered that seven and a half. I, I like the Ravens in the game, but because this is a seven and a half point spread, I think it's big enough for the Eagles to cover this number. Uh, and that's my only reason. I, I don't love this pick. But based on what I saw against the Steelers gives me enough confidence to put it in, and I'll take you. I'm with you seven and a half on the Eagles. I hate it, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> what do you think, Mr. Model? <laughs> Give me Baltimore. Give me Baltimore in this one. Crossfire. I've gone back and forth on this one a little bit. I'll admit I started on the Eagles, and then before the podcast started, I had flipped back to Baltimore. Uh, I can't believe it was was today or earlier this week. Um, I like Baltimore in this spot. I actually think that they're going to be able to do some bullying in this game, and I think that their slow approach is going to actually work. I'm a little worried because I think Doug Peterson's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. Uh, Carson Wentz definitely uh, played better than what I've seen most of the year against the the Steelers defense. So maybe that they come through there. But uh, Philadelphia, to me, is a bottom three team in DVOA, ranked 30th overall, 29th in offense, 22 in defense. Um, I don't know. Baltimore ranked number one. I just think that that's going to be a team that hopefully shows up and actually puts this to bed early. 
and then can run the rest of the clock out. So to me, I am on Baltimore minus seven and a half eek. We'll see what happens. We all made some interesting points there. So we shall see. Uh, all right, Mr. Model, who's your key pick this week? I'm going back to the same team I used last week. I'm going back to the LA Rams minus three and a half against San Francisco. Uh, I like LA in this spot, even though they are traveling to San Francisco, they were able to stay on the West coast. What I saw out of San Francisco last week was just utter carnage. Garoppolo is back, which we alluded to a little bit earlier in the podcast, but just to me, the performance that you're going to get from him, who knows? Um, So I wouldn't be shocked to see if he plays and then sits or plays, but not very effectively. To me, L.A. has been performing much higher than what I had expected that they were going to be this year. So to me, that's going to be something that they are just cooking on all cylinders. And their offense has been really good. I can't believe how well Goff has things moving both uh, through the air and enabling the ground game. To me, three and a half here seems like uh, something that they'll be able to cover easily, especially if there's some uh, injuries on the defensive side of the ball for San Fran. What do you think? You nailed it. And this line reeks. It is fishy. I looked at this and I'm like, what am I missing here? Because we just saw Miami go into San Fran and just put the hurting down on them from all angles of the game. And we saw Garoppolo play poorly. We saw... Fitz magic just light up the skies against a, a, a supposedly really good 49er defense. I yeah. know they're hurt. They're missing a lot of their studs, but I mean, yeah, we all saw it. What did Miami put up like 40 something points against them? I mean, that's embarrassing. And the Rams, I think they're completely trending in the opposite direction. Like you said, they're starting to get all their pieces coming together. They've got the offense clicking. Sean McVay and, and golf are back on the same page. I think last year, you know, we kind of saw them not be as in sync, but you yeah. know they're doing really well, Mr. Model. They're running the the play action, the run game, and then they're meshing, which means like they're they're basically simulating running play action to make it look exactly like a run play that you just got hit by, by earlier in the game. And then they're rolling Goff out on a bootleg and just taking advantage of teams, you know, trying to bite up and, and stop that run game. So that offense is clicking. You still got to worry about Aaron Donald. I love this pick, and and I don't have it as my key pick right now, but I, in consideration, I would consider making that a key pick. That's how much I like the Rams here. All right. I like it. Yeah. Uh, for my key pick? Yeah, what do you got? I'm going back to the well once <laughs> again. I got these guys last week as a winner, and I'm going to ride them again this week. I'm taking the Carolina Panthers minus two and a half against the bears. Now, just like how we've said with Tampa Bay, the same can be said in my opinion about the bears. I can't go right, left up, down with the bears. I have no idea what's going on. I'll be honest. I picked Tampa Bay last week against them, got burned. So I don't know what's going on here. Nick Foles is playing great. He's playing terrible. He's all over the field. David Montgomery looks like he's a terrible running back. And then yeah, last week he shows up, has a bunch of nice plays, some nice catches. Uh, but for me, this is mostly about the Panthers. I think they are trending upward as well. Very similar to the Rams. They've got a new coach in there in that role. And these guys are playing behind him. I also think the Teddy Bridgewater story, you know, these guys love Teddy Bridgewater and he's done this in every locker room he's been in. These guys rally around him. Their offensive play calling has gotten really creative. 
I think I called this out last week, but Joe Brady is their offensive coordinator. Now, if I didn't call it out, let me refresh the listeners' minds. Please. He was the offensive coordinator under uh, the LSU Tigers who helped mold our guy Joe Burrow and that Tiger offense into what it was. They're not quite at that level, but we're starting to see some things from this offense that really has me going. They're still missing Christian McCaffrey, but they haven't really missed a beat with Mike Davis. They're playing really well. And this is, to me, as much of an endorsement of the Panthers as it is a bet against the Bears. They're just, to me, shaky. And now they're going on the road. I just don't like it. Uh, you know, we, we've said the, the home road isn't quite what it is without fans, but it still is a difference. you got to travel. You're in a hotel. you got to do all these different things. So at home, Two and a half. It's less than the field goal. I like it. What do you think? I'm on Chicago here. A lot of crossfire, my friend. Oh God! Give me, give me the reasoning. What's going on? All right. So I've gone back and forth. I, I. So let me start with this. I agree with everything you said about Matt Rule and his first year coaching that Carolina Panthers team. I think it's been phenomenal of how he's kind of started out of the gate and got that team working together, even with some serious injuries, right? Like, you know, their best uh, McCaffrey out, like their running back, that's going to be an absolute blow, but it's next man up and you can see them that they're actually performing decently well, even without him there. Um, For me... There's a couple of things here. So one, I too was impressed with how Chicago played against Tampa Bay last week. I think what was a Thursday night game that burned yep. me because I was on Tampa Bay. Um, I'm hopeful Nick Foles continues to play consistent in regarding how he played there. The line movement has actually jumped around here a little bit. And that's one of the things that I've been tracking on this game. Um, so in our pool, it locked in at Carolina minus two and a half. In some spots, it is now down to one. Um, to me, this is something that is just going to be worth watching. I'm even seeing it as a pick in some books currently right now. Ooh. So that it means that a lot of the money is coming onto Chicago and they're moving that lines into a closer game. Um, I will also admit I have, uh, I've started a teaser where I teased, uh, some, which we shouldn't go into here, but I'm on Chicago for that as well as one other game that we can talk about off air. Um, so I like them in this spot, and I'm hopeful that they are going to come and perform and actually come through and win this game. Man, oh man. I, see, the other thing to me is I just think they're a very weak 4-1 team. Like, I just don't oh, think yeah. they are what their record is, even though that's the old Bill Parcells, you are, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. I'm just not buying it. And even the defense that's supposed to be this vaulted defense, I, I you know, they held Tom Brady in the check, but is that really – you know what it used to be. I don't think Brady's, you know, the same quarterback. It's tough, but this was the one that jumped out at me. I, to me, I didn't see any others. I just loved as my key pick, and I like the momentum that Carolina's building. So I'm going to stay with this pick. Uh, the line movement, though, I'm not going to lie to you, Mr. Model. That does not make me feel <laughs> super comfortable in my trousers, but we'll see what happens. The other thing that I think I go back to is like, I go back to priors. So before the season started, like where would you have put Carolina just kind of in general? Like to me, they would have been a bottom 10 team for sure. Maybe bottom eight in the league. To me, the bears would have been, you know, call it higher than that. I'd say mid 
mid, so maybe, you know, call it 15 to 20, yeah, yeah, 15 to 23, something like that. So I'm going to go back to those priors and say, okay, we've only seen five games so far. Um, You know, maybe something is going to change. I just am not believing that the Panthers may continue, especially with the injury to McCaffrey, how well they've been playing. So that's also part of it. Yeah, and I think I've said this before. I always look at the uh, coach and quarterback matchup. Better coach, better quarterback. Miraculously, I'm taking Matt Rule in his first year and Teddy Bridgewater Bridgewater, over Nagy and Foles. I know Foles has got the Super Bowl, but I am just not a believer in Matt Nagy. We've talked about it ad nauseum on here, so we'll we'll see what happens. A couple of crossfires here, Mr. Model. This could be an electric Uh, week for us. (laughs) I don't know why. How did I get into all three of these? I know. This could be a great week for you or a terrible week. (laughs) Um, Before we let the listeners go, can we just talk about the New York Giants? Please. What are we thinking with with them against the football team? Because I'll be honest, they're favored two and a half. I didn't think the Giants would be favored at all the rest of this season. Is that a strong line, or sh- should we be picking the football team here? Do you, do you think that they're only favored because Haskins isn't starting? Do you yeah. think that's got to be a big piece of it? Yeah, and I, I mean, the Giants just put up a lot of points. They hung with Dallas, but they ended up ultimately losing to Andy Dalton. Yeah, and the Giants' offense—I'm sorry, but it's just so boring. And we finally saw them start doing a few things that. A, a 2020 offense should be doing. And what I mean by that, they finally incorporated pre-snap motion. They're allowing Daniel Jones to recognize what the defense is. They're mixing things up a little bit, but then when you watch the game, they're running five, eight yard curls. I saw one play, four wide receivers all ran little seven yard curls. What, what is that? You can't run that as a professional offense. And the giants offensive line is, is really in shambles. Still Andrew Thomas is, is struggling. Their whole line is struggling, and what we know about Washington is they've got a really, really strong defensive line. I don't know what the status is on Chase Young. If yeah. he's playing this game with the, with the entire Washington front seven, I think i got to take Washington in the points here, right? I mean, yeah, so I'll admit I'm on Washington right now with at plus two and a half. To me, it's like if I think look at this as like a two really crappy teams and it's 50-50 either way, give me those two and a half points and call it a day. Um, I'll be rooting for those Washington football team because to me, I, I just can't make heads and tails of either of these teams. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I will say I've taken to my personal Twitter to be a giant commentator. I've gotten a lot of engagement with some people talking with the, the Twitter sphere out there. Uh, I, I, I just can't allow Dave Gettleman to, to continue to have his job. We're approaching the trade deadline. And are you telling me that Dave Gettleman is still going to be the GM who might potentially do another horrendous trade. Mm. I honestly don't even trade or trust him to trade away our pieces to get any kind of draft back. If I'm Dave Gettleman and anyone calls me about any one of our players, even asking for like a sixth round draft pick, I am taking that deal. We're going nowhere and you got to load up on draft picks. So I'm just going to, you know, troll this guy. And I don't even think I'm trolling. him. He's a terrible general manager. He's had three years to turn around. And the Giants are arguably worse than where they were when he first came in there. So, aye, a bleak future, my friend. Can I uh, just pick your brain on one last thing before we go? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm looking at the other Monday night game, Arizona against Dallas. This line opened Dallas minus three. I guess it was kind of heavily. Uh, so it was maybe minus two and a half. And it has now since flipped 
to Arizona favored minus two and a half, minus two in some books, even minus one and a half. What's your thought on that? Because when I saw the Arizona minus two and a half, I loved that. You know, Andy Dalton's going to be starting for the Dallas Cowboys offense. I don't think that they're going to be as potent as they've been so far, even though he played pretty well against a pretty poor Giants defense. You know, Arizona is just going to be licking their chops to play that Dallas defense to put up some points. What am I missing here? Why is that line getting tighter between those two teams? I was asking the same thing because I'm on Arizona here as well. I, I don't know why this line isn't higher. I know Andy Dalton's a professional. I know he just got to, you know, come in from the bullpen, get a win against a bad Giants team. But Arizona's pretty strong, and they can put up points. And what we've seen, Dallas's defense is just not good. So the fact that we're getting two and a half that we just got to lay here instead of three, three and a half more than that, I I did the same thing. And I, I debated making that my key pick here because what we know about Arizona, they can score the ball. And Dallas can't stop a fucking runny nose. So... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess the only thing that maybe you're saying here is the fall off a quarterback isn't enormous. You know, we, we've seen Andy Dalton have good years in Cincinnati when he had weapons and he certainly has weapons in Dallas, but I'm on Arizona here. And you know, you, you talked me kind of down on Carolina. So I may flip flop eventually in our pool here to, to Arizona, but I, I love Arizona here. Yeah. I'm in full agreement. I love that game. I'm all over Arizona. Yeah. Well, we will see. Uh, all right. Another solid episode. All the listeners, thank you for playing along. Please share it. Send it out. Tell your friends. Let's get some people listening, playing along with us. And, uh, you know, week six, man. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> Love it. Let's go, baby. All right, my friend. Great episode. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's oh, who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.